Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all the all sparkly, spanky clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. music, and then loop up The glory hole is like a, a like dick theater. I imagine you're going Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. We're not sluts. We just love love. Hello, this is Mrs. Atom. And this is Mr. Atom. And you're listening to us here on By the By. Admittedly, for a second there, I forgot who I was. <laughs> <laughs> I think in my brain I heard you say Mr. Atom. I'm like, you're not Mr. Atom. I'm Mr. A- last time I checked, I wasn't Mr. Atom. Laws. Last time I checked, you weren't Mr. Atom either. Yeah. 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 So tonight is going to be a little different episode compared to normal. Can we say a very special episode? Yes. It's like episode 31, too, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Not 31, too, but 31 as well. Right. Proper grammar. Whatever. It's important. (laughs) Yes. So this is something uh, a little different, I Mm -hmm. think. Yeah. So in this episode, um, we're going to give our coming out stories as far as when we realized we were bisexual, when we kind of made it known out in the world... And the reason we want to do it now is because we talk on the podcast very a lot about being open and honest in your relationships and whatnot. And Mr. Adam particularly feels as if we're being a bit disingenuous by, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, hiding behind pseudonyms. And um, we'll still use them because, honestly, I'm so used to it at this know, point. Right? But we do want to just go ahead and let you guys as our listeners know who we are and kind of the path that we went down to get where we are. So you're going to get a little bit more backstory. You've probably heard bits and pieces along the way, but now you'll get it all in one go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So step one, names. Yes. Hi. Let's, we, we started this again. Hi, everybody. This is Bradford. This is Angela. And you're listening to us here on By the By. Welcome. It's like ripping a Band-Aid off. That wasn't so bad. Yeah. (laughs) It's who I am. Yeah, Yeah. that's me too. Yeah. Um, Now, but like... And and you may see a lot of you, some of you have already met us, so you'll see us, you know, out and about at different events and whatnot, and you'll probably see our faces at some point, and it's fine. We don't care. Now, you know, we thought long and hard... We're not going to hide anymore. Pun intended. (laughs) Long and hard. We thought a lot about this, and... uh, like Angela just said, you know, for me especially, I, I find it's it's one of those things that I, I want to be true to myself and true to ourselves and also right. true to the audience. Um, yeah. And I feel for me what that means is kind of stop hiding behind the mask and pick up that flag and raise my freak flag high. Your freak flag? My freak flag. Not fruit fly. Freak flag. It's different. Anyway. <laughs> Say that five times fast. No, please don't. I can't. <laughs> Listen, I got so much shit over the last couple of times me trying to beatbox. I am not going to say. <laughs> Look, people, I beatbox, all right? That's what I do. And if you don't like me, then deal with it. For, fortunately, he doesn't beatbox very often. Or very well. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so here we are. Should we start with your story? Do we want to start with the depressing, sad stuff, or do we want to move in? So i got to be honest. I have not been looking forward to this episode. And it's not about coming out. It's not about becoming clean. Well, it is. Well. I like to shower. (laughs) Um, I also like long baths. Um, It's not about coming out, because that doesn't, that's not what it's about, or what the negative, negativity is about. But for me, I think what it is, is. You know, a lot of our friends and a lot of our family and even you have heard bits and pieces of the story mm-hmm. out of context. But for me, when I tell it all in one arcing story, mm-hmm. it's really hard to hear, even for me to say it. And I get very upset and very angry and mostly with myself. 
in many points. So I say we, do we want to save that? I don't know. Um, so tell me about you. <laughs> um, as I digress, like at what point did you say, Hey, I like girls. So for me, I, I don't know that there, I can't say that there was a one single moment. Um, it was just one of those things that when I was growing up, I didn't really see gender. You know, people were people, and, and people that were nice to me and that I liked were my friends, and it didn't matter. Um, you know, Mr. Adam, you know that I had a, a very good friend in middle school, kind of elementary school, middle school, and it was a female, and we were very close. We were always doing everything together. We would, you know, be together almost every day after school. We would stay the night with each other. We would walk around the playground holding hands, and, and I'm going to say other kids would tease us about being gay because we were always together and we were always yeah. holding hands. And, I mean, granted, the one who teased us the most, I found out later, actually had a crush on me, so that probably had a lot to do with it. But Was yeah. it a him or a her that it had was a crush a him. on you? Okay. It yeah. was a him. But it was also one of those things that, you know, the way I was raised, I was always told, directly or indirectly, that, you know, you get married and you have kids and you go through the whole quote-unquote normal path. And so I always in my head thought that I was supposed to be with boys and I'm mm -hmm. going to marry a guy. And so it never really occurred to me that I could have a relationship with a female. Um, but I had, a, you know, some of my best friends were females. And I was always attracted to both males and females. There were people of both sexes that I very much looked up to and admired, lusted after. Um, it didn't matter to me. And so I would say from a very young age, it just it, I didn't care one way or the other. But I also didn't act on it because it, it was not expected of me. I would always go along with what people thought, particularly, you know, parents and elders and in general society. And so it wasn't until well, like college, which is very cliche, but college when I felt a little freer in which to act on anything or to explore at all. And at the time I was married, but my husband was a, a little more accepting and, you know, he, he was not as con from not as conservative of a background as I was. And so I could you kind of play a little bit and start exploring, but I wouldn't say that I myself identified as bisexual or really thought I could have a relationship with a female until I was probably my early 30s, maybe 30, 31, something like that. And it was just, you know, after I went through a succession of relationships and I finally took some time to say, you know, I had two failed marriages and I finally took time to explore myself and say, okay, this obviously isn't working out. Who am I? What do I want from life? What do I want from myself? What do I enjoy? And that's when, when I took the time to slow down, take a step back, not think about what everybody else wanted from me, but what I wanted for myself is when I kind of started to actually realize that this is something that I, I want and I need. And that's when I kind of, I started acting on it more and I started feeling like it was more okay for me to be attracted to females and to act on that in the right scenarios. But it took a long time for me to get there. And it, it I won't say that I ever really denied myself of anything. It's just that I didn't realize it was an option and that it was okay until yeah. I've, finally took a break and, and just, you know, kind of let myself go and just let myself accept the fact that I'm not going to be able to please everyone. It doesn't matter what society, what people around me want. What do I need to make myself happy? And that's when I kind of worked through and was, was better able to accept who, what it was and, and identify. I would say identifying was the first step. So in those early days, how did you identify? Like those early 30s when you were, mm -hmm. you were rediscovering yourself... What did you do to sort of help yourself self-actualize and self-identify? Well, at that point, and I mean, this isn't going to be the path I'm going to say out there for most people because it's not plausible for most people. But at that point, I was splitting up from second husband and 
part of that, because we had a lot of joint friends, I separated myself from a lot of our friends. And it was basically, you don't accept me and one of my very good female friends. Um, you know, that I there was a rift and I basically was not going to let her go by the wayside because I'd been friends with her for a long time and we we're very good friends. Mm -hmm. And it was like, this friendship is more important to me than the rest of you and sadly, even my husband at the time. And so I left a lot of my friends behind, so-called friends. I mean, I would mm -hmm. say now mm -hmm. they weren't actually my friends, but, um, but I left a lot of them behind and I separated myself from them. And I was very much alone for a little while until I made new friends that would accept me. But at that point, you know, I, I had the one female friend that I, of course, hung out with a lot. Um, and I, I'm okay being on my own. And I, because I, I will go out and I will meet people, I will make an effort. And so that's what I did was I just started, you know, going out and doing things that I enjoyed and meeting people that enjoy the same type of thing. But I made a point that when I met new people, I was very honest with them from the beginning. I was very open. I mean, not just like, hey, guys, you know, but still, <laughs> if, if the questions were asked, if anything, you know, I was, I'd made it a point to be very true to myself and true with them. And if they didn't like that, if they didn't accept it, then that's fine. They could go on. I, I was, at that point, I was beyond wanting to, to fake myself to have a friend. Right. You know, I'd only wanted friends who actually accepted me for who I was. So it was a little lonely there for a bit. You know, I didn't have a lot of friends for a time. But at this, but then I was able to rebuild and find people who actually accepted me for who I was and didn't care. So did you date women? No, I didn't really date anyone. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, at the time, I just, I didn't want a serious relationship because right. I wanted that time to, to explore and be comfortable and just, I didn't think I wanted a serious relationship for a very long time. And so it was more just casual hookups. Right. Um, I would say it was probably 75% men with the occasional female, but I, I didn't date anyone, male or female. Yeah. Yeah. Next. <laughs> no, I was, I was trying to formulate another question in my head, and I had one, but it, it seems to be floating away. I mean, um, so a, like, did you have you have you come out to your parents? So my family is not very big on. I'm gonna say talking. <laughs> um, they're not not big on on talking and direct conversations. That that's hard in my family. And so I've never said to my parents that, hey, I am bisexual. Now, my mom knows from actions and from other conversations that we've had. Um, I, I'm going to throw you under the bus here and say that we had you and another couple friends over one year for a Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. When, it was my first Thanksgiving as a single man. Yes. And we were just hooking up at the time, not dating at all. Yeah, we only hadn't by a few even, months. I was going to say, we hadn't mm. even been hooking up that long. But when I, you know, my mom, I remember when we were talking about, you know, hey, do you mind if these people come to Thanksgiving? They don't have family around. She said, absolutely, sure, not a problem. And then she said, well, how do you know them? And, of course, I knew you all from work, and I made the comment that it was your first Thanksgiving alone and that, you know, you and your wife had just broken up. And somehow... Things led one thing led to another, and and I made the comment. Somehow it came up like why you split up, and I said that you were bisexual, mm -hmm. and that you know, it that's what ultimately kind of brought the end to the relationship. And so then, of course, after we start dating, it's like, well, you know, <laughs> there you go. Um, but it, it, so I would say that she knows from from conversations we've had and from other things, but it's never been directly said. Um, my. My brother knows, of course, because he came in and stayed with us. And very first thing when he came and stayed with us was we have pants on and pants off friends. Yeah. And at that one point great. during his visit, I was in the bathtub with one of our female partners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I remember him coming in and going, hey, where's Angela? In the bathtub. Oh, where's the other lady in the bathtub? Oh, there's two bathtubs? Nope. Oh, I'm gonna go read. <laughs> <laughs> he gets that look on his face for a second, you know, where he's processing, and then the light 
bulb comes on. And, I felt yeah. so bad for him that day. That was awesome. Yeah, that's that's more how my family is. It's, it's those kind of subtle things. And then everybody puts the pieces together and, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, sure. <laughs> so, I mean, it's... Poor yeah, boy. Yeah. It's, it's more tacit and passive acceptance than actual, you know, anything right, right. direct. Yeah. Which is funny because I do tend to be a direct person. You just are. Not You're with really my direct. It's just funny because there's, yeah. I, I mean, I get it because there's no real reason to tell them. I mean, it's not like you're, you know, you're you're not dating a woman. You're not, there's right. no, like, strong, compelling reason to say, hey, I'm bisexual. Well, and also with my family, too, they, they very much, I'm not going to say they expect the unexpected with me. But when I do things that are a bit outside the norm... It's not surprising. It's not surprising. And they just kind of shrug their shoulders and, huh, okay. You know, that's... She's going to do what she wants to. It doesn't matter what we think or say. So it just, you know, it just is. Yeah. 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 I I can't think of another clever question. I was trying to be all interviewer Uh thing and and ask the questions that the people might be asking. Right. I'm sure there's people screaming into their headphones at this point saying, ask this. I'm sure. And and if you... I can't hear you. And if you do have questions later, please feel free to email or send us messages and whatnot. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I think the one consistent thing about coming out stories is everybody's is different. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody starts it differently. Everybody has that journey along the line is different and everyone's outcome is different. And I think, you know, I look at yours and, and say, you know, that's a, that's actually, it's a really positive experience. You know, you've not really, your parents didn't, I guess I get the same point though. You didn't really come out and say explicitly so they can sort of ignore what they don't want to address. Yes. And Um, that's how my family is much more so. It's kind of a stick your head in the sand kind of response. Yeah. If you don't acknowledge it, then... It doesn't exist. It may exist, but, but you know, it doesn't exist in their world, so it's okay. Yeah. So do you think... So we're going back to the States. Do you mm-hmm. think it'll come up more with your dad when we're there? I think Because we're going to spend I some time with him. I think it will because we're going to spend more time with him, and I, I, I think it will. I think just by nature of you know, the, the, the time that we're spending with him and... and whatnot, I think it will come up probably a bit more. Hmm. So I think that'll be interesting um, to, to see how that goes. I'm kind of curious. Sure. I'm actually almost looking forward to it because I feel like because now although he, he's conservative, I, he's... He's accepting. Yeah, he's yeah. intelligently conservative. Right. There's, you know, those conservative people who just preach at you. Mm-hmm. And then there's... I, I find that what little time I've spent with him, that he's one of those people that is a little more... I don't know. He he seems to be a good listener. Right. He may not understand, but he listens. Right. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. So, yeah. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, but there are times that, you know, even up until now in my life with, with him in particular, if I say something or do something that he doesn't necessarily agree with, he just gets this one particular look on his face. And, and his lips go in that flat line. And... You can tell that he doesn't approve, but he has to accept it because I'm his daughter and he's not going to disown me. Right, right. So, <laughs> which I'm very lucky for because that, not everyone's that lucky. Not everybody's that lucky. No. I mean, the fact that he won't disown you, you know, yeah. that's a, you know, saying something, you know, yeah. I think that's a, a... And I know he doesn't approve and I also don't flaunt it or flash it in his face, right. which is probably one of the reasons why I've never actually said, hey, guess what? Yeah. You know, because I don't... I don't find it necessary. It's if it's not an important part of our relationship, you know, it doesn't affect my relationship with him. Right. And, you know, I, I don't see the need to really shove it in his face and, you know, put something out there that I know he's not going to necessarily agree with. There's no point. There's no point in starting a fight. Yeah. No, there's I appreciate no, that. There's no good outcome from it. No reason to. Yeah. For me. Should we move to your story? Because yours is... A, a little more convoluted. It is. <laughs> sure. Why not? Uh, when do you, would you say that you first started having inklings that you liked guys? I am going to say that I was somewhere between the ages of three and five when I knew I wasn't like everyone else. What brought that on? Um, I remember taking naps and as a child taking naps um, and having fantasies of 
something going into my ass as a child. Now, I was also diabetic, so I was used to getting shots. And where's the best place to give a shot on a child is in the bum. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if it was that, but I really remember those vivid fantasies as I'm falling asleep um, of some sort of anal penetration. And I don't think I was kidnapped by aliens, but I have no proof of that. (laughs) The truth is out there. Sorry. <laughs> that was my poor attempt at a X-Files theme. We'll fix that in post. I was going to say, maybe we need to go back and uh, redo that part. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so that's, I think, three to five. That was my, I think, the age at which I really was like, oh, yes, I feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I remember my first crush, and I should have reviewed the timeline on this to realize when that was, but there was a television show. If you're from the States, you're going to know what this is. Um, But there was a show on Nickelodeon called Clarissa Explains It All. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was Melissa Joan Hart's first, like, big break role. And she's probably six years older than me. Um, And so it was this show, and I remember seeing her and going, oh, my God, she's beautiful. Um, which is funny because it's not really my type now, mm-hmm. except for the big eyes and quick smile kind of thing. But she's blonde. Anyway, no way it's perfect. Um, but then she had this boy that would always crawl in through her window. And I can't remember his name. starts with a C. Anyway, not important. Um, and I remember as a young child thinking, I wish he would crawl through my window. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I had this massive crush on both of them at the same time. And I, I can remember when I had this crush... I didn't see it like you and your girlfriend at school, your mm-hmm. the, the female friend at school. Um, I didn't see any problem with it. Right. It was just, that's just how I felt. Um, and I admittedly, I don't remember at what point in life that that switched and that I started thinking that the liking him was wrong, but liking her was okay. Um, but I feel confident it had something to do with growing up in the South. Um, you know, just outside external pressures. Um, because that's what society tells you it should be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I never, t- I never talked to anybody about it. I never told anybody about it. Um, but, yeah, but I knew that I shouldn't tell anybody about it because I didn't want to be ostracized. So, yeah. Um, did your parents ever, did you have discussions with them over sexuality at all? Oh, gosh, no. Okay. Um, so I remember, you know, I, I want to make it very clear. My parents have been amazing um, and have always been supportive of no matter how foolish of a decision I make or whatnot. There, it's always been my mistakes to make. But, you know, my I remember my dad, uh, at one point I was supposed to be going out with my cousin, who is older than I, um, and her best friend was gay. Um, and I remember we were all going to a movie and my dad sort of had a, one of those freak out moments where I wasn't allowed to go out with them because of my cousin's gay friend. He didn't want my cousin's gay friend to be the one that takes me to the bathroom, you know, cause mm-hmm. I was probably maybe seven or eight at the time. And so, you know, my dad had that, which I, I'm not going to, it's not, I don't hold it against him. Um, I think it's a lack of understanding. It was a lack. Of it was that ignorance. Yeah, he yeah. had. He wasn't. It was a situation in which he was uncomfortable because he was unfamiliar. Um, he is now a completely different person, mm-hmm. but at the time, it really upset him, um, and he didn't want to be part of that. And so, my cousin and my dad got into this huge fight, and I remember sitting on the stairs hearing hearing this, and I think that sort of affected me. I think that's one of those things. It was like that sort of pushed that part of that repression is you know, about the same time that I was noticing, you know, Clarissa and her bow that climbed in through the window, you know, I hear my dad kind of having a meltdown over me going with a, 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 a gay male um, and how that's not going to happen. That mm-hmm. It was just not on the cards. And so they went to the movies and I stayed home. And, you know, memory is a, is a, murky pool. Mm-hmm. So I don't really remember who told me we weren't I wasn't allowed to go or why I wasn't allowed to go, although I knew I was I know I was there and I heard mm-hmm. why. Um so yeah, that was I think those are sort of those two like formative things that I really remember um before it became something which by that time I was 
in my late teens, early twenties, um, you know, you, we do so well at repressing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah. Um, but you know, from that early age, from those, that seven to 17 age, you know, very quickly I fell in love with musical theater. I took voice lessons. I sang with a falsetto until I was, gosh, I was 16, 17. Mm -hmm. I was professionally trained to sing, uh, as a, you know, God, I think I was 16, still singing mezzo-soprano without any issues at all. Um, I don't know what it's called. It's falsetto, but anyway, a long time ago. Uh, but, you know, growing up, I remember doing performing arts for the school. Um, those things that stick in your brain. Uh, I sang raindro- um, favorite things mm-hmm. from Sound of Music uh, for a Christmas thing. And I was 16, uh, st- of course, did it in the falsetto. Uh, started the song halfway through the first line. Um, someone, and I still remember his name, unfortunately for him, uh, from the crowd screamed out, Fag. Mm. Just because I sang right. and was singing from musical theater and was singing with falsetto. Uh, and that was sort of that beginning of those things that triggered for me to give up music. Um, you know, and again, I look, yeah. I look back at it now. I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, you know, why did I let this... I mean, the guy's now of no importance at all. Um, You know, why did I let him shape the formative years? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, you can't... uh, You can't go back to that. The history is written in permanent ink. So it's not... There's not much I can do about it now. But I wish I could still go back and tell... Talk to 15-year-old Bradford. I joke about that a lot. Um, But, yeah, it's, um, it's rough. But, you know, from, from that, from the musical theater and from the singing, you know, I always knew I didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. And, and not from a, I don't look at it from a negative way, but I think it's, it is a lot different for men and boys than it is for women. Mm-hmm. Um, like you and I often talk, you know, sexual fluidity is fine for women. At least it was in our age group, but and maybe different now. I'd love to talk to a, yeah. a 14 to 18 year old now you know, to it's, see how comfortable they are. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more acceptable for women to be fluid than for men. Yeah. Um, you know, especially for people our age group, even. Yeah. Um, you go to a swinger club and you see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sad, but, you know, it is what it is. Wine, top off. Yeah, Mr. Adams taking a moment to pour some more wine. I need to drink, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, so... When I was 11, I built my first computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I guess it was. Holy shit balls. Nerd alert. And what um, did you do with said computer? Oh, well, I looked at porn. <laughs> by the time I was 11. <laughs> like all good 11-year-olds do. By the time I was 11 in one month, I was downloading porn from the message board. Back then, we didn't have the internet. We mm-hmm. had message boards. Um, but, you know, from an early age, watching porn and looking at porn, I remember looking at both the male and the female and mm-hmm. going, whoa, this is amazing. Um, and, you know, not knowing the experience that a lot of other young men have with porn, uh, for me, I wasn't like trying to put myself in the place of the man and thus, you know, having sex with a woman. I was looking at the whole in the, not the whole, but the whole, <laughs> all of it and thinking, oh, well, this kind of both sides are amazing. You know, you often say that you, there's beauty in, in the female in the male form. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was seeing. I was seeing this like I was having this lust for both the female and the male. Uh, but again, knowing that from from growing up, I'm looking at this from 11 to 15. Maybe I'm starting my porn career um, knowing there was something wrong mm-hmm. that and I say wrong and. I guess we should, probably should go back and re-record a, a predecessor or an opening for this saying that, you know, these are our experiences and how we felt, not what we think. Um, but it was very, I, I was, I thought I was wrong. I thought mm-hmm. there was something from the core wrong with me. And I remember feeling that way at about 13 or 14, that there's, I'm broken. Um, yeah. And I think get about, 15 was that first time that I really strongly considered suicide. Um, because at that time I thought, Oh, this is my only, my only out. Um, and I can remember at 
being diabetic, suicide was easy. All I had to do was inject myself with a little bit of insulin, and it was a relatively easy way to go. Um, and I can remember drawing the insulin up and sitting on the bathtub with a needle full of insulin and just thinking, all I have to do, it's, it's easy. It's uh, five seconds, and it's going to be over. And it was, I did that a lot. I think I, from 15 to probably pushing 20, I probably did that every six weeks. And then at the end, I would chicken out because of Catholic upbringing and uh, that fear of, of the unknown and the beyond. Uh, and I would put the insulin back in the bottle and put the bottle back in the fridge. I did that a lot. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're a chicken. Yeah, yeah. I don't like being a chicken, but I guess in in that case, you know, it's. So then, what what switched for you, and took you from thinking that it was wrong, and you you know that that your only option was suicide? What then switched and made you? At what point did you start acting on it? Um. So, part of, part of. Being, and again, this is for me, part of being suicidal was being a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are constantly miserable or constantly second guessing yourself at least. And you are, um, I was very good from a very early age at getting people to like me. Um, and so I think that sort of carried on into adulthood. I know, I know what people expect and I know what people want and I can put on that face and then I can be that person. So I was that person for a very long time. And let's fast forward to the first male experiences I started having while I was a certain person, this chameleon person, um, on the surface, there was that dark underbelly um, where I would be on Yahoo chats and you know, this, again, this is pre grinder pre all these phone apps. You know, the way you met people was through things like Craigslist, mm-hmm. um, and Yahoo groups, you know, so Yahoo had the chat rooms. You could play chess with people and I, I'm a big fan of chess. So I would go into the gay chat rooms and, I would play chess with some of the men. And so you're playing chess and in, you know, in my foolish, and I guess at this point I'd been married for four or five years, um, actually maybe four years, you know, I would be on the, in these chat rooms and, and playing chess with these guys and talking to them. And I don't know, that's, that, those were those first interactions. And then, it's funny because I always compare it to like CSI and you always see those things on CSI where they're like well the first thing a serial killer does is torment animals <laughs> and then once they torment the ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Animals, they move to small children, and then they move to adults, and then they kill and kill and kill. I mean, it was, it was really that growth kind of thing. You know, I started out in chat rooms playing chess. Then I would go to the chat rooms, and we would skip the chess, and we would just kind of sext back and forth. And then it was, let's trade a few pictures via Yahoo or Hotmail. I bet that took a while. <laughs> yup. <laughs> you know, because you would take a Wait picture. For it. You would take a picture. You would go it. put it in your computer. <laughs> you would download it. You would upload it. You, I mean, it was crazy. Um, the amount of effort I would go through, and I was 
was lucky at the time that my wife worked on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. She worked, you know, her days off were Sunday, Monday, and she worked on Saturdays. So I would, that's what I would do on Saturday. All of Saturday from about 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., I'd be spent online talking to, to men. Um, and then at one point, as things always do, escalate, um, a guy asked me to if I wanted to meet face-to-face, and I'd been chatting with him, and it's so funny because I remember it now, and it's just like it's not a big deal, but at the time, this was one of those things that, you know, I we had text, so I texted him the day we had said we were going to meet, and the response I got back was, oh, I actually forgot we were going to meet, but yeah, come on over, you know, mm-hmm. that right there tells you about how good the day was going to go. Um, and I made it over to his house and it's just funny. You know, he gave me a tour of his house. Um, and of course it ended in the bedroom. And I remember that the bedroom above the headboard, there was probably 14 different crosses and it was beautiful. I mean, you look at this, this bed and above it are all these different crosses and me growing up Catholic, you know, it's like that really like, helps with the Catholic se- guilt. Yeah. I mean, like, seriously, <laughs> could this have gone any worse? Yeah. You know, it's like, we're basically having sex on an altar. <laughs> um, but you know, and I remember starting out, I was so nervous. I was literally shaking, mm. not figuratively shaking. I was literally shaking. And he asked me twice, is everything okay? Um, so yes, yes, yes. And of course I didn't come. And of course, you know, I, I actually faked an orgasm just to cool it, calm him down. Cause at that time in life, I thought I wanted to be a top. Um, Oh, how the days have changed. The tides have turned. How the tides have turned. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was my first time with a guy and it was probably horrific, mm-hmm. uh, looking back on it. Um, Yeah. So that was that was when it when I escalated. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> where did where did you go from there? Did you because the first time was so terrible, did you then take a break for a while and say maybe this isn't what I want? Or did you keep going and, and just take the bull by the horns with it? Nope. I took a break. Um, I thought, well, this is wrong. And, you know, those typical things that you think, oh, well, this is wrong. Of course it's bad. You are a bad person for doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is, that's normal kind of stuff um, that, that you think. It's bad because you're bad. Um, and you're bad because you're doing bad things mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so then I would drive by from work every day a place called the Purple Onion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Purple Onion was an adult store um, that I had been into once just to pick up some wank magazine kind of thing. Um, but they had video booths, and they had um, six video booths in the back. And uh, I think somewhere still I still have a coin. I, I would love to find that coin because mm-hmm. I'd probably fucking frame it now. Um but I went into one of the booths, and of course they have glory holes, and that was the first glory hole experience. Um, so you go into this booth, which honestly there are porta johns that are cleaner than oh. than this booth. Oh. Yeah, imagine you know months of semen Lovely. that have just sticky. The floors were sticky. You know there were no there were no um, stools. You would have to squat or sit on the floor. Yeah. It was horrific yeah um and i remember going into that room and starting to close the door and well i no, I closed the door and um not, not a few minutes later somebody knocked on the door and i was like i have no idea what this means so i cracked the door open and it was this beautiful adonis of a black man and he goes do, do you want company and it's so funny because it goes back to those things where you're you start flying on autopilot and inside I'm going no and and <laughs> how did I respond yes please um, and then he came in and we you know it's like mutual oral and it was just kind of amazing um, and I was horrific because this is you know probably the second time I've ever been with a man um, and but yeah he was just like wow this is I was like oh my gosh this is amazing. Um, and it is one of those moments that in this nasty, dirty, disgusting place was that moment of, oh, this is, this is, there was connection, mm-hmm. which there wasn't 
but this was my brain, you know, tricking me. Um, but it was amazing. And so then I started going there once every eight weeks, but it was one of those things that it always happened the same way. I can't tell you in, in eight weeks, I would pull into that parking lot and sit there for 45 minutes trying to build up the courage to go inside. And most of those times I would bail out. Um, and then the whole drive home, I'm thinking, you're such a coward, you know, you have no value. There's, you deserve this. This is what you, you, you're building, you know, you're building a house of straw. Um, and you have, again, it was that no value. I was constantly looking at myself and I would look at myself in the mirror and say, you have no value. Uh, you know, and at this point in, in my marriage, you know, I, I would not, I will not and will not say anything bad about my ex-wife. Um, because I think a lot of the problems came from me and, and I would project onto her, but I know one of the things she didn't like was kissing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just like, I don't know why, but it was, we didn't kiss anymore. And so I saw that as, again, we didn't kiss because there was a problem with me. Um, and so, yeah. that it, And it, like we've heard in the previous podcast, you're a very touchy person. Yeah, and you and need I needed that. that. To, feel, to feel valued, yeah. So I was consistently feeling less and less valued. And, you know, of course I wasn't an adult enough to talk to her about it or talk to anyone about it. So I, I spoke to no one. So again, back to chameleon, everybody, if you talk to anybody that knew us at the time, we had the perfect marriage. I was the perfect husband. You know, I was the best friend. I was exactly what I was supposed to be because I made damn well sure that that's what I was. I, I lived my life as a movie and I made sure that Everybody who knew me, you know, I was I was getting the Academy Award for what I was supposed to be. So no one knew that you were seeing guys that you were doing no. this on the side. No one. No. The so about this time as well, I met a guy that became my first regular guy, mm-hmm. and he lived an hour and fifteen minutes away. So she would get up and go to work on Saturdays, and I would get up. Shortly after she left, she had to be at work at 10. I'd be up at, you know, 10, uh, shower, drive down to his place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would get to his place around 1130, spend four hours with him, and then come back. Um, and did that probably every weekend for, I don't know, however long we lived in that apartment. So maybe two years. Um, yeah. Uh, and... You know, every weekend it was the exact same thing. Driving down there, I was excited. I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun. And driving back was an hour and 15 minutes of always silence. I never even, you know, me and the radio. The radio is always on. But I always drove back in silence. And it was me, again, feeling dirty, hating myself. You know, what you're doing is wrong. You have, again, you have no value. You're worthless, was constantly a word that I would say. Um, yeah. So where did it go from mm. there? How did at what point did this stop and did you start to accept anything? What happened in between? Um, was there a lot more or did would it no, what was, it was the turning point? It was a lot of the same of that. Um so about within the next three years, the only thing that really pops up that I really remember was meeting this poor guy. There was a a cruisy spot in a park. We moved to a different house. Um, it was so that that guy was now two hours away. So I didn't see him nearly as often. In fact, very rarely. Um, but we moved to the other side of town, um, and there was a cruisy park near there. And I remember walking through the park where you would cruise guys um, and talking to this guy. And we ended up, I ended up going down on him in the park and he was freaking out because of who might catch us, who might see it. I said, well, you can come over to our place, but, you know, it's got to be quick. So he drove, he followed me back to our place, went in. I mean, it was one of those, I sat him on the couch, I blew him, he came, and he left. Mm-hmm. And then that was, that was the first time that that happened that I was like, I, this isn't wrong. You know what? It, this is who I am. It's not wrong. I'm going to go mow the lawn. And so I know, right. But so I went outside to mow the lawn and there was a pen that had fallen out of his car and I picked it up and the pen was La Petite Academy, which was a nursery, nursery school. 
And I remember staring at the standing in the driveway, staring at the school, and all those feelings of worthlessness came back because I was like, this guy has a wife, has a kid, at least one child at this mm-hmm. La Petite, whatever. Um, you know, I don't know that for sure. Right. You know, that was just some random pen that fell out of his car. But again, for me, that was sort of a, a sign, you know, like this, and then it all came rushing back. I'm bad. I'm whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we ended up up and moving to the new job uh, out of state, and now I'm traveling all the time. Mm-hmm. So traveling all the time makes it a lot easier. And at this time, Grinder was invented. Within this time, Grinder was invented. And so that's when it changed for me. That's when suddenly I started, it's like, you know what? If I'm going to hate myself, I might as well enjoy, you know, a few hours a week, you know, and you know, I, I really, I think a lot about this still, really. Um, but, you know, I, when I say I hated myself, I really did hate myself, which is still, that's a hard thing to come back from. Um, and I still feel that occasionally. It'll come back. There's that there's that swirling pit that's in your chest, and you know that that what that is. We've had therapy over this. You know, yeah. that's, that's, it's just, you know, for those out there, when you have this, it's, I, I always imagine it as a black hole that starts somewhere under my sternum and it's it's constantly pulling me in and there's a, it is a a violent swirl of little value um but i can remember my ex-wife and i both were on the same itunes account of course because it was cheaper um i would download grinder and i would inst- i would wait to download things like this until she was in the shower because then i could go get her phone <laughs> and delete it from her phone so that she didn't see it pop up on her phone um i often wonder if she ever went through like oh i thought i bought this app and then goes through the and apps and sees the and then yeah. along the she's like well i don't remember buying at the same time grinder scruff boy ahoy <laughs> <laughs> Always, I still wonder that. I'd love to be able to ask her, but I don't think that'll ever happen. Mm. But you know, I was traveling all the time, and hotels and bar hotel bars are a great place to meet people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, in four years of doing that, six years of doing that, I guess, um, the number of times I was either picked up or got or picked someone up from a bar. Or the number of times you would go to your room and you'd get dressed down and get in bed and open grinder and see that somebody was either the floor above you or, you know, two floors below you. Or at one point, the dude was literally across the hall. <laughs> um, and you would just, that was it, the quick hookups. You can't get any easier than that. No, you really can't. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember I had great experiences. I remember being in... Um, uh, Miami, basically Miami, Florida. I'm not Miami. Um, Tampa, Florida. I was in Tampa, and um, I went to their red light district basically to find a, a a place with with booths with glory holes, and hooked up with this guy in there. And then afterwards, he was like, "Hey, do you want to, you know, do you want a tour of around?" the area. I'm like, yeah, sure. So he, I hopped in his car and we drove around. He's like, this is where you get the prostitutes and this is where the, the men are. And, you know, he was bisexual mm-hmm. and he was showing me all the areas. I was like, oh, this is great. And he was such a wonderful guy. And then he dropped me off in my car and he's like, well, it was a lot of fun, you know. And that's when it, for me, it started becoming normal. I was meeting people that, you know, didn't hide it. They were proud of who they were. And that's nice people, good nice, people. good people. Yeah. They just happened to like to hook up in, right. in you know, bathrooms or, or video booths or meet you on Grinder, you mm-hmm. know, and the vast majority of us were married and yeah. Um, just your normal everyday people. Yeah, they really were. Yeah. They were, they were definitely normal everyday people. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to Toronto, yes. <laughs> which I know, you know, all of this, I think our listeners know some of this, but I met this guy, you know, who I was, I remember going to the bar and I was by myself. Um, and he came down with a large group of workmates, um, and they all had drinks. And this was a time where I was spending months. I I think I spent four months in Toronto. Um, and the next, next couple of nights they came down, it was a smaller group. 
the next couple of nights it came down as a smaller group. And I think at one point there was maybe four of them and they, somebody said a joke, I laughed. And then they noticed I laughed and they were like, Oh my gosh, you're here every night. Come over and sit with us. So I came over and sat with them. And then the next night, um, it was just him and him and I sat at the bar and we just sat at the bar and talked. And it was one of those wonderful things. And, you know, I really, really liked him and, you know, I was holding it in. So I, of course I didn't want him to know that I thought he was, there was, he was amazing. And, um, I think it was the next night he was like, you know, what's your room look like or something? I don't remember. It was something cheesy. Anyway, we went up to the room and it was just a little mutual oral and it was great. And we set a date to have dinner the next night. Um, and I liked him enough that I was like, I want to be honest with this guy. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever wanted to be honest with somebody. Um, and we had dinner and I said, look, I want to be a hundred percent honest with you. I'm married. And he said, that's okay. I have a girlfriend. And we both kind of laughed and then was like, all right, cool. And so I think that was the time we started dating. Um, and you know, there was a, that, uh, those odd times he would spend the night with me and um but yeah I absolutely I mean I, that was he was sort of that beginning of the end he was that catalyst that mm-hmm. I needed because it was the first time I'd ever truly understood what chemistry was I think you know you see chemistry in the movies and for the longest time I thought that only happened in movies like you know what you and I have I didn't think that was really what really what people actually experienced um, so, so, um, I remember at one point, you know, after he and I had been seeing each other for a long time and I would go home and see my wife and, uh, you know, she and I had a, a very wonderful cordial relationship, but that was basically it. Um, I remember being in Toronto and, and in the hotel and somewhere around 10 o'clock at night and I had he had to cancel on me for some reason and he had had to cancel on me for some reasons before multiple times Um, and I was starting to feel that very typical alone trapped kind of feeling and I remember sitting out on the balcony and you know I think I was on the fifth floor third floor fifth floor I'm pretty sure it was the fifth floor And I remember, I actually, and for me, I'm terrified of heights. Um, But I remember climbing up and sitting on the banister for the balcony. And I had my leg, I was sitting with my back to the open space. And I had my foot kind of caught in in the railing. And I just kept telling myself, it's gonna be quick. You know, how long, then I was thinking, how long does it take to fall from the fifth floor to the ground? Um, you know, and I was going through the math of terminal velocity, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I was fucking nerding out thinking about just all I have to do is lean backwards. And I would lean backwards a little. And then it was all you have to do is let your foot out. That's all it's going to take. And I sat like that from probably somewhere near 10 to somewhere near 11. And at some point, you know, uh, Sorry. At some point, um, a friend called me, um, and uh, he he called me, and it was it was much later than he normally would ever call. Um, and he asked me. He said, uh, "I answered the phone. I got off the balcony. I answered the phone, and he instantly went, what's wrong?'" And so <laughs> I. I just came out and told him everything. Um, and man, he instantly, you know, he, uh, he said, dude, fuck, I don't care. Why's that's not important. Why does that matter? And I remember sitting there going, it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter. Um, and it, that, that was uh that was exactly um exactly what I needed to hear at the time 
Um, and uh, I, he listens. He listens to the podcast. So uh, I, it's the all, the only thing I could ever say to him is thank you. Um, <laughs> this is, just bring me tissues. Thank you, dear. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, the thirsty turtle out there, and uh, if it wasn't for him, I, I I would not be here. That because that was I had made that decision. This is what I'm going to do, and uh, so yeah, I told him, and he was like, "Dude, I don't fucking care." <laughs> and I remember him saying, um, "Are you attracted to me?" And I went, "No." He goes, "Dude, why not?" <laughs> <laughs> and I went, you're not my type. And he goes, what, what do you mean I'm not your type? I, I, am I not, what, am I not good enough for you? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was, he was the first person I told. Um, and so, yeah, um, after that, I think the next person I told was my mom, um, who had spent some time with my ex-wife and I and I called her I was in Dallas airport uh flying back from Toronto um and I just basically said mom I'm I'm unhappy she goes I know I said well okay she goes what's wrong and I told her that uh, I've been cheating on my wife and she goes okay I said it's bad she goes all right how bad is it I said um it's it's with a guy and she goes okay did he give you something? <laughs> I sat there for a minute and I was like, oh my God, she means an STD. No, 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 he didn't give me something. She goes, oh, okay. Did you give him something? Like, Mom! <laughs> like, no, no, I didn't. And she goes, well, then there's nothing wrong. And I remember thinking, what, there's nothing wrong? I'm having a minor breakdown in fucking Dulles Airport, of all places, um, and there's nothing wrong. And... Mm-hmm. She was, again, you know, I got to give my mom mad props. She's at the moment, that was exactly what I needed. And then not a couple weeks later, I was with another colleague and I told him and he, he looked at me and he was like, some of my best friends are gay. I went, dude, I'm not gay. I'm bisexual. He goes, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's. You know, it was those responses. It's those three people who I came out to in the very beginning are, you know, the best friend, colleague, the parent, and the other colleague. I could not have painted a better... I'm so lucky to have those people that I chose to first come out to. And, you know, really, the vast majority of the people that I came out to basically looked at me and was like, fuck, I don't care. Um, Mm. You know... And I think that's the thing with most of us. If it doesn't affect us directly, we don't fucking care about it. Um, You know, and so that was, I think that was exactly what I needed. I've been rambling on for like 20 minutes. (laughs) I apologize. You have a lot to say. Yeah, but how much of it is important? Um, So, yeah, those those were those... um, That was that. That was coming out. And from Mm -hmm. that point, I think that was that... After that, I started talking to my ex-wife, and, you know, we had other problems. It wasn't just this. It wasn't just me being bisexual. It wasn't me cheating. It wasn't all of that, or any, it wasn't just all of that. We had other problems, Um, but, and ultimately, we couldn't work through them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then it started becoming sort of a game for me of coming out to people, and I remember coming out to you for the first time, Mm -hmm. and so... uh, the the short version of this, I don't know. Should we save this for an origin story? Because I feel like we need an origin story, much like an X Man. Or yeah, let's do that. Okay, huh, you'll have to save the, wait the, for this till later. <laughs> when I came out to Mrs. Atom, <laughs> um, yeah, I actually had that in my notes. So, so we'll have an origin story where Mr. and Mrs. Atom meet and collide. Yeah, and the cl- Atom yeah. in in the in in the Hadron <laughs> in Switzerland or CERN. We did that in CERN. Yeah. Um, you know, I still, still to this day, I have a, it is a constant struggle to accept myself, to look at myself and see value, um, to be confident and comfortable and happy in my own skin. Um, 
you know, that was part of the reason I got the tattoo, mm-hmm. you know, um, on my chest was, you know, this is something I want to look at. And I think happiness, you know, I've got serotonin tattooed on my arm. Again, it's that I'm trying to, I need that physical mental reminder of, you know, I have value what I have, you know, not of like what I have around me, like the people I know the people I have are valuable, mm-hmm. but to see that value within myself is still so extremely difficult. Um, and I honestly, I think it is a lot of it for me is sexuality. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see myself and I'm like, why can't you just settle on one thing? Or why can't you not like boys? Or why can't you not like girls? Why can't you just be, yeah. you know, normal? But it's hard to undo 30 years of Absolutely. training one way and hating yourself and being told that, you know, this is what you're supposed to be. It, it's hard to overcome that. That's a yeah. long time. Yeah. I mean, and I know you're right, but, you know, it's still, it's, it's interesting because I find myself doing, you know, I get those, you know, those dark thoughts and it's impossible. It's a, again, it's that, it's that vicious spiral. You start spiraling down and you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to think this way. And I know right now, like, I don't think this way, but you can't not think. It's like when I tell you, don't think about a pink elephant. Uh-huh. What do you think about? A purple polka dot elephant. Oh, of course you do. So when you start <laughs> one down, one in every room. <laughs> so when you start down that, spiral now do you recognize that you're going into that spiral yes absolutely i see it and i'm like i know what this is this is a bad place you know and you you mentally tell yourself this is a bad place um you know and i'd be 100 percent honest you know it's like standing on a on a corner waiting for the light to change you know and you see that bus coming and it's i feel like it's gravity pulling me Mm -hmm. um you know, and there's been times where that's I'll, why I keep you on the leash. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there's times where I'll put my hand on the on the stoplight or the or the street sign pole, and I'll just close my eyes, and you just sort of close your eyes and you try to find your center and you try to find your balance, and I still feel that it's like a, a pull from my chest. It's pulling me there. That's mm-hmm. where it's going, um, and it's I don't. You know, now I don't want it. I, right. I think that right. I know that's not the solution. I know that's not the right idea. I know I, that I am, I am happy now, but I still feel that pull, and that's what really frightens me. Is that? And but I think it's a good scared. It's mm-hmm. a good kind of afraid. But I think once you feel that, once you have that, it's hard to get it away. It's hard to get away from it. Um, but the fact you, that you recognize it then means you can do something about it. You yeah. Know, at least you know how to handle it when it does happen. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget the first time I went to a therapist. It was great. Um, <laughs> say with great sarcasm. And we sit down, and she goes, okay, what do you want to tell me? And I'm like, and there's supposed to be like some flirting first or something. You're <laughs> supposed to say hi. <laughs> Where are your credentials? Um, and I said, okay, I'm afraid that if I tell you something, you're going to say something that makes me not able to do my job. And if I can't do my job, I'll lose my job. And she looks at me and she goes, have you thought about or attempted suicide? And I said, define attempted. And she kind of laughed. She goes, that response right there tells me I'm not going to have you put away. And then I went, okay. And then I told her the whole thing. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, you, you're okay. She's like, just keep a leash on it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be stupid. Is what she, actually she did. I had a therapist tell me not to be stupid, which that's awesome. <laughs> I know. Right. That's what I needed. That's exactly yeah. what I needed. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's my origin story. I suppose it's, I feel like it's still going on. Um, you know, it's, we often talk about, you know, bisexual and, and bi erasure and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm extremely passionate about it mm-hmm. because of, of how, you know, I know how difficult it is. I know how difficult it can be. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who you know, wake up in the morning, they look at themselves and they see there is something flawed with me. Mm-hmm. And, I I mean, there is, it doesn't matter what you are. You can be straight, gay, lesbian, transgendered. You can be a a human with a monkey on your head. Um, There's nothing wrong with you. You, you have value. Um, 
you're important. There are people out there, whether you don't see it or not, who love you, who value you, who need you, who think that, you know, even if it's someone you don't even know, you know, you, the person that you get your coffee from, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're important. And you'd be amazed at how many people you impact that you may not even realize. Like you said, you know, the person you get your coffee from. And, and there's often those people that are on the sidelines in your life that you don't even, maybe not even notice, but they notice you. Yeah. And, and it makes a difference. It can make a difference to them. And, it, and you may not see it. Hopefully at some point, you know, that person would say something to you. But you don't always, you're not always aware of everything that's going on with everyone around you. But... I, I do believe that we all make an impact on someone somewhere. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, so, you know, keep your eyes open and, yeah. you know, smile to people, be nice to one another and say thank you and hello. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not hard to be kind. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? I think so. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we're going to forego a question tonight. Uh, kind of too stressed to listen to a question anyway (laughs) (laughs) um as always you know we greatly appreciate our listeners uh we greatly appreciate um feedback we'd love to hear your stories uh i feel like we tell our stories all the time Uh, and we get a few stories from y'all and we really really do appreciate it uh, but email your stories, comments, questions, rude remarks to uh, theatomsoflove at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at By the By Podcast um, or find us on our website at www.bythebye.com.au. B Y T H E B I.com.au. And uh, yeah, so I guess for tonight, I'm Bradford. And I'm Angela. And uh, thank you all for listening. Yes, thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.